Oh, good afternoon, evening, everybody. How are we going? Uh, like I said last week, if you uh, weren't here last week, I am just doing two talks uh, last week and this week. And often when you get two talks, uh, it's very easy to just think of something uh, to go, oh, gee, the congregation really needs to hear this. People need to hear this. And so you hook into that. But I just want to say from the get-go, uh, these are two, uh, last week and this week, are two things that I have been thinking through. Uh, for myself personally, and so I hope that as I, I uh, talk on this subject that it's helpful for you too as we work our way through it. Can you join with me in prayer? Lord, thanks uh, for your word, and I pray, Lord, that as we uh, look at uh, your, 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 this passage today, tonight, that you might help us uh, to understand more about who you are and how you want us to live in response to that, for Jesus' sake. Amen. When I was about uh, 15 or 16, I was out checking cattle and uh, riding, the, riding a motorbike, and in the long, dry grass as I rode through, there was a log lying there, and I hit, hit the log on an angle, and the bike slipped out, and it fell, and I fell, and I landed flat on my face with the bike on my leg in between the bike and the, and the log. Now, I was stuck. The problem with that was I probably could have lifted it off, but the exhaust pipe was there, and so when I went to lift the bike, it burnt the back of my leg. And I was literally in the middle of nowhere, by myself, stuck. It took me ages to work out how to get this bike off my leg. Uh, by the time I got it off my leg, my foot was completely dead because um, of circulation cut off. But in the end, I got it out, I stood the bike up, and I rode home and fixed myself up. Yesterday, my brother-in-law, uh, his mate Travis, uh, Zach, my son, and I, we went for a bit adventure bike ride. And we uh, went out to Kelbar and headed uh, into the border ranges, into northern rivers and beautiful country. And I'm flying along there on this gravel road and I come to the corner. And as I come to the corner, I realise that um, I'm looking at all this soft gravel, but as I look forward, I realise I'm not going to make it around the corner. And I slam my foot on the brake, brakes, and the bike slides, and in the end, the wheel turns, and I shoot straight down over the edge into the lantern, face first, on my stomach, with the bike lying on top of me. Within... Hey, now, that's not very nice, people. You should have been sitting there, thank goodness he, Dave was there, going, thank goodness he's here to preach tonight. Um, <laughs> but I'm lying there, completely going, you idiot, and within, uh, it felt like seconds, Travis is there pulling the bike off me. Are you all right, Dave? He pulled the bike off that I could roll over onto my back and wiggle my toe and go, oh, my leg's not broken. Within a minute, Chris was back there going, are you all right? And uh, he had jumped off his bike and I just said, I need to lie here a minute and recover for a second. Um, but while I was doing that, they grabbed the bike. Uh, I stood up and, um, and hobbled out of, the, out of the scrub. And they grabbed that motorbike and pulled it up the hill and stood it back up again. By this time, my beloved son arrives back. Um, and he, are you all right? Yeah. And for a minute there, they're going, do you need a drink of water? They're worried about me being shocked. But I hop back on the motorbike and away we went again. Now, those two stories could not be further apart. And the difference is, the second one had a whole bunch of people to help me. 
As we look at this passage tonight, and me thinking about uh, things that have happened through COVID uh, to the church within my wider church, with you as a congregation, with me myself, and being lazy in the things that I do, uh, I realise that one of the things that that little story tells us and this story tells us is we are better together. Being a Christian is not something we should be doing on our own. But it's something that I think we need to think through and fix up at one level in our own life, in my life, in your life, so that we can have a good return for the work that we put in. The passage starts by saying, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. And if you, like just logically, if you think about different jobs that are out there, I worked for my brother for a while, he was a builder. Now, as a builder, there's a whole bunch of stuff that is very hard to do on your own. You try and lift trusses onto a roof by yourself. And we're not talking about if you've got two people, that halves the amount. In fact, if you're on your own compared to having two people, it would be five or ten times as long to do. You lift a beam up and try and you have to have equipment to hold this side so you can get down this side. Whereas if you've got two people, you can just lift it up. We know that to be true in our work lives in many different areas. And so when it comes to being a Christian, it's, it's no difference. As we work together, we will be a lot more effective in the growth of God's kingdom. And this is something that God wants us to do. He wants us to have more of a team attitude or maybe uh, that we're a part of a body. Gee, this might remind you of a passage that Christ is the head of the body and we make up the parts of the body and we need to work together so the rest of the body, as we work together, has a good return. Like right now, my arms, see, they're waving around everywhere. They're going fine. But I can tell you now, because my leg's hurting, it's not working so well. And as, as a bunch of Christians, we need to remember that we all need each other to function well. So why do we need to work together? Well, let's read on. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. So I thought about this. I think this is saying a couple of things here. As Christians, we can often be uh, going along and we, we just do the wrong thing. We think we know better than God and we just get on and we just blatantly sin. And sometimes we need somebody who loves us enough to reach into our lives and point it out. That loves us enough that they're not scared that, you're going to take, uh, that I'm going to be offended or you're going to be offended, but they actually care about you enough to go, what are you doing? You need to sort this out to reach out to us, to help us stand up and follow Christ again. Now, sometimes you are the person who needs to be helped. And other times you are the person who needs to reach out and help. Either way, together we need to make, do this together to make it work. The other thing that I think it could be saying here is that sometimes as Christians, we can be just getting on, serving God, living our lives, and we just get kicked in the guts. We get knocked down. We get worn out. We curl up into a corner, uh, kind of, and just go, I can't do this anymore. We just can't recover from it. And at these times, we really do need other Christians to reach into our lives and love us, to help pull us out of that, 
to give us the courage and strength we need to keep on serving God. And again, sometimes you will be that person who's kicked in the guts lying in the gutter. And sometimes you will be the person reaching out to help. Both of these things, both of these, this thinking here, we need to have the right attitude. I don't know, if you, as you came to church, is this what you were thinking? I need you and you need me and they need us and we need them. See, both ways here, we need to be thinking how we can work together as a team. We actually need each other. And what happens when we don't? read it before, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. We either find ourselves lying in the gutter with no one helping us because we thought we didn't need anybody to help us, or sometimes we leave others lying in the gutter because we're so busy getting on with our own thing that we probably don't even see them. One of the things that like I've been in full-time ministry for over 20 years now, one of the things that breaks my heart and breaks my heart to see me think this sometimes is that Christians don't make it a priority to meet together with other Christians. Why? Because how will we see the need of other people if we don't see them? And how will they know our needs if they don't see us? And so the question then goes, well, how often do we need to meet? I think the answer to that is as often as we need to, whatever it takes. And if uh, Tambourine Mountain Presbyterian Church is even going to have a crack at this, at very least, we need to show up at church on Sunday. And even better, that we might end up at a point that we might actually be meeting in small groups together through the week. When you look at the first church in Acts, in Acts 2, it talks about them, the first fellowship of believers. And if you've got your Bibles there, please turn to it. This gives us a real snapshot of what the church looked like when it first started and some of the priorities they had and what they were on about. Acts 2, verse 42. I'm just going to read it here and just listen how these guys were functioning. Verse 42, Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, the apostles' teaching for us today is God's word. And so they devoted themselves to hearing God's word. They devoted themselves to fellowship with each other. In other words, they were, they were hearing from God, they were encouraging each other, they were reminding to breaking of bread, communion, um, and, and then they were also speaking to God through prayer. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done, signs were done, among, done by the apostles. Now, we don't ha- I'm not going to do some miraculous signs here today. But that's why we have God's word. That's why it's written there. So as we read God's word, we know it to be true. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. That wasn't that they had blonde hair and miniskirts. The common thing was that they, it was Jesus Christ and they're being saved through, through forgiveness of sin. 
Look at 45. That selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone, they gave to anyone as he had need. And that is not like the person sitting next to you, best mates, I'm going to sell my possessions so I can look after you. No, it's that person over there they don't even know. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts, together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Every day they were meeting together. They were, they were eating in people's homes together. They were doing life together. And we talk about evangelism. We talk about how we want to reach the community. Verse 45 blows me away because it says this. Uh, eating together, uh, so, so it goes from uh, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We can never underestimate a group of Christians that are actually loving each other, how absolutely attractive that is to the world. And these guys were obviously doing that. Why is that? Because people look into that and go, why, are those, why do those people care about each other so much? Why do they care about me? Well, it's because of Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Every day they were looking out for each other uh, in lots of different ways. And yet, as I sit here and think about this, I'm flat out giving four hours a week to spend time looking out for other Christians or being looked out for. How are you guys going? The writer of the Hebrews tries to deal with this, this one. And in uh, chapter 10, verses 23 to 25, he says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for, we, for he who, has, who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another onwards to, towards love and good deeds. Now, that's great, isn't it? Okay, let's hold on tight to the faith we profess. Let's think through how we can spur each other onwards and how are we going to do that? Verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to meet together. I think that when most of us hear this, as Christians, we would, we would absolutely agree, absolutely agree. But in reality, when it comes to meeting together in general, our priority is bumping along the ground. Like for me, as I, I sat here, I've been thinking this through because COVID has happened and I think there's a lot more excuses in not meeting together and it makes it easier to do. But I feel like sometimes there's this cupboard that I have that I can open up and there's all these other priorities I've got in there that are much more important than meeting together. Uh, for example, the, the God of career or work. You know, I've got work commitments. I can't make it to church. Like I, um, I don't know how you guys go with this, but uh, the, the reality of that is like, Maybe we should change our job at that point. Maybe we should think about actually having a conversation with our boss. Maybe we should work on our shifts. No one said it was going to be easy. But we need to work hard at not giving up on meeting together. 
remember, we need you. And you need us. As I was thinking this through, I was actually gave myself a little kick up the butt because when I was a young man with uh, my beautiful wife and four kids, a little baby, we worked out at Torwood. The only other Christian I knew for hundreds of kilometres was my wife. And I had spoken to my boss that I wanted Sunday off and it was a seven-day-a-week business and they said, OK, you can have Sunday off but you have to organise all the workers. That Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, we woke up we got ready and we drove 135 kilometres to Gundawindi to get there by half past nine to be with other Christians. And I want to tell you that I may not be standing here today if I didn't do that. And now I struggle to come 25 k's up the mountain. And so for some of you, it's like two k's across. There's lots of excuses and it's like... Um, the God of sport, let me do, God of sport, the God of family. There's nothing wrong with family, but you can shift things around that you can still meet together with other Christians. The God of friends, the God of music. It's like that when we take on something like sport and then we make a commitment to it and then things get busy, we think, what is the one that we can, we can uh, let go? And it's the one that, with the people who will not give us the hardest time because they care about us. It's Christians, and yet that's the one we should be making a priority in. The list of excuses can go on and on. But any time something is more important in our priorities than meeting together, we need to make some changes. Why? Because I need you. And you need me. And they need us. And we need them. If someone has fallen... You need to be able to realise that that is the case and you need to know them well enough to be able to know how to handle it. And if you're too busy doing your own thing and making sure that you and I get what we want to get out of our life and for ourselves, we don't even make the time to get to know someone well enough that when something does go wrong, we can actually help them in the best way. To help others, we will have to make some changes in our own lives to help someone else. And sometimes you're the person who needs help. And if you're not willing, willing to receive that help, not willing to admit that you might need it, and I, this is me, how will you ever grow as a Christian? How will you stand up again if you don't realise you've fallen? The passage goes on to say, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Guys, I know this to be true. My brother and sister-in-law and I, we decided to walk to the top of the Bunya Mountains from the home property. Dad said it was just over the hill. After five mountains, we were not there. The sun had gone down. Our matches that we had were soaking wet. I couldn't see... In front of my hand in front of my face and it was cold and there my brother and sister-in-law snuggled up together they 
kept each other warm that night. I, I did get offered, do you want to cuddle with us? But social distancing prevailed there and there's no way I was going to cuddle my brother. I froze that night. I had a knitted jumper that I pulled down over my knees and the holes in the knits were about this big. I was so glad to see the sun come up that next morning. If I had have moved closer, I would have been a lot more comfortable. And when the reality is, as Christians, it is true too. When we work together, it helps us keep on going to encourage each other in our Christian walk. So we are a lot, a lot less likely to grow cold and fall from following God, but much more likely to stay passionate and serve God, burning his light brightly. Now, I guess you could say, well... I've heard this, lots of people say, well, you, you could say passionate for God alone, can't you? And I've spoken to uh, Mishos who have been in hard situations where they have been in situations where there's no other Christians there and God has given them the strength to get through that and they have grown in their faith. But if you ask any of, the, any of them if they had a choice about doing it alone or with other Christians, the resounding answer to that is yes, I would have loved Christians to be there. There are no lone rangers in Christianity. For crying out loud, even the lone ranger had Tonto that saved his butt a hundred times. God wants us to work together so that we can grow in our faith, we can stay passionate about serving him and so that we can be a, a, as effective as possible in growing his kingdom. And when we do this work together in a godly way, we will have a strength that will not be overpowered so easily by this world. The world shouts very loudly a whole bunch of rubbish and tries to convince us of that. And sometimes it's nice just to have some other people around you to actually go, that's rubbish. God is God. He's trustworthy. He's powerful. This happened. Jesus is real. Keep following him. There's, the, heaven waits. But we read in our passage... Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. When we try to stand on our own, it's so, quite easy to just get taken out, broken. But when we stand together, we are a force to be reckoned with, especially with Christ as the head. That's how God has made us. And so... I was thinking about a whole bunch of questions I asked myself and so I just wrote them down and I hope that as I read them out, some of them might be helpful for you to think through where you're at with this. Are you a team player? Is meeting together with other Christians a top priority in your life or do some changes need to be made? Are you seeing meeting together with other Christians as a time to encourage and to be encouraged? Do you find it hard to make the time to care? Or do you find it hard to let people care for you? Are you looking at what needs to change in your life to become more like Christ so that you might be able to be a better team player? Or are you looking at what everyone else needs to do but not yourself? As a Christian, do you feel the strength of having other Christians around you? 
or do you feel alone? Or maybe I should say it like this, are you working hard with others to be strong in Christ? Or is it just too hard so you don't bother? You know, Satan is working very hard that we don't get this sorted out. He is working very hard for this because he knows that if we get this sorted out, he will not get a foothold into our lives. And he knows that we will have a good return on our work that we do for our Lord and Saviour, that Christians will grow in their faith and many people will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and friend just as we do. So let me finish with these words. I need you and you need me. And we need them and they need us. We are better together. Let's pray. Lord, it is of great comfort to know that you have created a family, that we have brothers and sisters, and that, Lord, although many of us have been hurt by our brothers and sisters, we might fight and battle on different things, at the end of the day, Lord, you want us to come together and to work together, to sharpen each other, to encourage each other, to stand up for each other, to look out for each other, to pick, pick us up, pick each other up when we've fallen. We're so thankful that Jesus would come and ultimately show us what that looks like to love, to put our rights aside, put, that he put his rights aside and died on that cross so that we can call you dad, that we can call you father. And that as we come into your family, Lord, through the forgiveness that is on offer through what Christ has done, the example on how to love each other is set by Christ, by you. And I pray, Lord, that we will respond well. That although, Lord, we're very different in a lot of ways, we have everything in common in Christ. And so, Lord, rather than see the differences and clash, help us to see the differences and complement each other. And so, Lord, I ask that here in this place, in this church, that we would continue to work together well and that we would show up for each other. For Jesus' sake, amen.